knowing in our heart that you are the one who paid the price for our life. When sin was controlling us, moving us towards death and eternal separation from you, you sent Jesus to die for us, that we might be forgiven, that we might be redeemed, we might be drawn near to you in a closeness of relationship that could only be brought about by the shedding of Jesus' blood. And so we thank you. We choose of our own free will to submit ourselves to you as master of our life. Not just our Savior, but our Lord, our Master, the one who will guide and direct the course of our life in righteousness and relationship with you. And we no longer get pulled off by relationship with the world and other things, but we draw closer to you and begin to find that which you have bestowed upon us, that which you have given to us as sons and daughters of God. And so we worship you this morning. We praise you. And Jesus, we're so grateful that as you paid the price for us and ascended into heaven with a finished work, that you didn't leave us here without comfort, without hope, without help, but you sent the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit of God being present in this place to minister to every heart and every life as only you can do. Father, we pray even right now where there's people spread about in this congregation who are mourning loss of friends and loved ones, we thank you, Holy Spirit, even right now that you as the comforter begin to comfort hearts, that you begin to, by your anointing, give them the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That even in that grieving loss, there will not be a strategy of the enemy to pull those hearts away from you, but draw you nearer and closer than they've ever been before, that you will draw them unto yourself in this time and this season. We pray for our nation right now. We pray for the leaders of our nation, God, that there would be a moving of the spirit of the living God in Washington, in our nation's capital, that there would be wisdom and revelation that goes beyond partisan politics, but there would be a place where we begin to see the call that is upon this nation and that you raise up leaders that will begin to see the call that is upon our, our nation for good and not evil. I thank you, Lord, that you'll have leaders that will begin to speak and begin to break down the division and the bitterness and the anger. You said where bitter envy and self-seeking exists, there's only confusion and every evil work becomes a, a process of life. And so, God, I thank you that there will be wise leaders rise up to break that bitter envy, that selfishness, that we begin to unify our, our, ourselves as a nation once again and we rise strong to fulfill that call. Let there be a moving and an outpouring of your spirit upon the leaders of our nation, we pray. To clear up their thinking where they're in darkness and have been deceived, where they're following the voices that they should not follow, God. Bring a clarity and an accuracy, a witness into their hearts that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life, we pray, concerning our church and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ at this hour, that you would strengthen each one in their inner man by the spirit of the living God that we truly might rise up strong and be firmly planted, not only in faith, but in the love of God. That we truly might walk in the things of the Spirit and the life of the Spirit, not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine that comes 
in the day-to-day life that we have right now, but we are stable, we are focused by the Spirit of God on rising up and being the light to the world that we live in. So equip us, empower us, strengthen us, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing and what you're saying in this hour, that we as the church might follow your voice and follow your leading, not any other. So minister to every heart and every life. You know where they are. You know the difficulties. You know their position of growth. And you are the one that can take even words spoken today and minister to every heart and life. And so we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor, the praise, and the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished by your word and by your spirit this morning in every heart and in every life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. It's great to see you this morning. Great to have everybody joining us online. We want to welcome our Meeker campus this morning. It is so great to see you. God's doing great things. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter what's going on all around us. It really matters what's going on in us that counts. I didn't get anything. doesn't matter what's going on around you. It matters what's going on in you that counts. And so if because of what's going on around us, there's anxiety, there's stress going on in us, that's not God's will. If there's strife and division going on on the inside of us, in our mind, in our emotions, then that's not really good. But when everything is going on around us, if there's peace in us, if there's love in us, if there's joy in us, if there's strength in us, if there's the wisdom of God in us, we can overcome anything and everything that presents itself to us. Because God is coming for a victorious church. He's coming for a church without spot or blemish or any other thing. He's not coming for a beat down church. He's not coming for a defeated church. He's coming for a victorious church. He's coming for an overcoming church. He's coming for a church that declares thanks be unto God who always, always, always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Not always. We never have a problem. But when problems come, he always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. It doesn't matter whether it's life or whether it's death, whether there's angels or principalities, whether there's powers, things present or things to come, whether there's famine or peril or nakedness or sword. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, then we have the power source that raised Jesus from the dead living on the inside of us and if it raised Christ from the dead and dwells in our mortal body it'll also quicken our mortal body to walk in victory every single day of our lives we're not focused on the outward but we're focused on the inward because God is on the inside ever working to will and to do of his good pleasure and what he started in you he plans on finishing it it doesn't matter if there's coronavirus if there's political upheaval he plans on finishing what he started in us There's a reason to be excited if you're the church right now. It's not a time to run and hide. It's a time to rise up. It's a time to start speaking to the things that God has said, speaking to situations of life, what God is saying on the inside, not what is being said from the outside, but what comes from within. Because what's in our heart that comes out of our mouth, he said it'll move mountains. It'll uproot sycamine trees. It'll change situations. 
Faith is in our heart and in our mouth. That is the word of faith, which we declare that Jesus is Lord. He raised from the dead, and his victory is our victory. Praise the Lord. We'll look at somebody next to you and say, by the authority of God's word, you are not my problem. If you believe that, you can be seated. Praise the Lord Jesus. Well, I don't know if that helped you, but it helped me. God is good. I want to jump in and not take too much time here. Uh, I just want to get into the word. We are in a a series of messages, Who Told You? And, uh, you know, there's, there's just really understanding who is talking to us. There's many voices that are in the world, and and, and there's so many of them that seem significant, but there are voices that we need to tune into. There's voices right now that we really need to tune into. And we began to launch this out of Genesis chapter 3, where you know the story that the devil, uh, the serpent deceived Eve, and they ate, and they went and hid themselves, and God came to walk with them in, in the cool of the day, and they were hiding. And God called them out, and they said, we were, he asked, why, why are you hiding from me? And they said, well... Uh, we were naked, and God said, who told you you were naked? They really never said who told them they were naked. Adam said, this woman told me it was all right to eat. And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and told me that I wasn't going to die, that this was really good for me, and I ate. So how did they know that they were naked God already knew you ate. So who told you to eat? What reasoning came? Because I told you not to eat. The primary voice in their life should have been God, and he told them not to eat. But yet there was all these other voices telling them that eating would be okay. And see, they went from being naked and not ashamed to all of a sudden they were ashamed of their nakedness. And I'll just tell you something. It was in my heart as I was praying last night. You know, one of the challenges that we have is we're going to move forward, and I believe as a church we are going to move forward. We're going to set a pace and, and really get on the spearhead of what God wants to do. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the church. As we've said before, really, you know, the anointing will come and it will take you places that your character can't keep you in order to get in the front end of things. We are going to have to make changes in our heart. We're going to have to make changes in our thought life. We're going to have to make changes in our life. And see, whenever we do that, we can be in this place and go, God's speaking to me. God's speaking to me in my prayer time. God's speaking to me, uh, you know, in church through a message or something that I've heard. God's speaking to me, and I'm ready to launch out. I'm ready to do this. But all of a sudden, we realize something. We're naked. So what do you mean? I, I, I get dressed every single day. No, we recognize that if we are going to do what God called us to do, we're going to have to be totally vulnerable. Hebrews chapter 4 says the word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll pierce asunder, it'll divide asunder between the soul and the spirit. It's going to go right past your soul and it's going to start dealing with your spirit. And when it starts dealing with your spirit, it starts to deal with the innermost thoughts and intentions that you have. It will discover things in you that you don't know are in you. It'll begin to reveal things in you that you don't know are in you and it will start to make you totally vulnerable. And if we begin to draw back because, wait a minute, I'm naked and I'm ashamed. You will try to cover yourself and never go into what God has planned. 
When we launch out to God, we're like, I want to go. But all of a sudden, we realize there's inadequacies and, and, and there's things in, in our past and there's emotions and there's feelings that all of a sudden are getting stirred up. And we're just trying, we're just trying to go for God. God just told me to go forward. But the enemy's like, do you want to go there? Do you want to expose that? Do you want to uproot that? you want to deal with that? We draw back and we begin to cover ourselves. We begin to draw back into a soulish dominance of our life. And that soulish dominance of our life will never lead us into the spiritual realities that God has really ordained for us to walk in. How many of you want to go higher? How many of you want to go deeper? If we want to go higher and deeper, we have to listen to the things that are being told to us by God. And God is so intent on getting through to us what he wants to say, that he gave us his written word. We talked about that, this written word, and I want to encourage you this morning. I may go all over the map, so just if something strikes you, write it down. That's what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Listen, I just want to encourage you parents today. Find devotions. Sit down with your children. I understand you're going to, from time to time, they're going to watch movies and stuff, but make it a primary focus to get Bible stories and get them into them. Why? Because they're going to grow older and they're going to need to be led by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit and the Word agree. And when the Holy Spirit wants to lead your children, when they get to be teens and adolescents, He's going to lead them. And the Word and the Spirit agree. And if they don't have the Word of God in them and the Spirit of God is trying to lead them, it will get all mixed up. Their feelings and desires won't have anything to line up with, and they'll think the Spirit of God is telling them to do something that is totally contrary to the Word of God because of how it triggers their emotion. But when we plant the Word of God in them, and the Spirit of God begins to deal with that Word and reveal that Word and the wisdom of that Word, they know there's a direction for them to go. Don't leave them to the movies and the screen that easily makes it easy for you to do something else. When you do that, you have to come back and say, there's a devotion time for our family. And it may be inconvenient for me as a parent, but I'm telling you that as parents, we need to sit down and plant the word of God in their hearts because there's coming a day that God will speak to them by his spirit. But the spirit and the word always agree. And even the church today, sometimes we get off track because we think the spirit of God is telling us something and it doesn't even line up with the word. We're trying to connect what the Spirit of God is saying to our emotion, but it actually connects to truth. And so God speaks to us by his word. He's given us ministry gifts. He went through that to put gifts in men, to speak to people, to equip them with the word of God for ministry. And then he gave us his spirit, the spirit of truth. He said, listen, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you without help. I will not leave you without comfort. I will not leave you alone, but I am leaving and I'm sending the Spirit of God. And the one who speaks to us the most, the Word of God should speak to us, but the way the Word of God comes alive to us is by the Holy Spirit bringing it to life. The letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. And I know that we're a spirit-filled church. We're a church of the word and the spirit. But church, I'm telling you today that our drawing nearer to the spirit of God than we ever have before. Not for our benefit, not for the name that's on the church, but for direction, for strength, for health, 
for wisdom, for knowledge. He's the one that has it all. He was the first person of the Godhead that we see in the Bible. He was hovering over the face of the deep, ready to execute creation at the words of God. He is the person of the Godhead that is with us today. You cannot know God the Father and Jesus the Son without knowing the Holy Spirit of God. And we've relegated him to receiving him at the new birth. But he wants to do more than just be received at the new birth as a guarantee to get us to heaven. He is that guarantee that we're washed and we're redeemed. But he's also actively working in us to bring transformation into our life. So I want to talk a little bit about this intimacy, this closeness with the Holy Spirit of God. And the first decision that we have to make, some of this will be a review, but 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 16. It says, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In other words, how many of you have ever read the word of God? You're just reading, trying to read, and you're like, oh, man. I'm trying to get this. This is important, but I'm just, it seems like it's just veiled. I'm not quite getting it. There's some things that you don't quite get that as you grow and you're ready, all of a sudden it seems like I get it. It's like a light goes on. Faith comes. There's nothing that can take it away from you. You're like, I got this. What is it? It's revelation knowledge. Matthew, the 16th chapter, Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? Some said Elijah. Some said John the Baptist raised from the dead. He said, who do you say that I am? And Peter popped up and he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed this to you. And upon this revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What was he saying? Upon this revelation, this thing that you couldn't, it was veiled to you through the word that you had read, but the Spirit of God all of a sudden took the veil off. You're not just some good prophet. You're not just another good teacher and prophet that's come to tell us about the Messiah. You're him. And others can't see it. How could Peter see it? All of a sudden, the Spirit of God pulled it off. There's things that are pertinent to your life that the Holy Spirit wants to pull off the veil that's been there. You you think, I've heard that before. I've read that before. Oh, here he goes. He's going to talk about faith again. Here he goes. He's going to talk about the Spirit of God again. But there's things that have been veiled that as the closer we get to the Spirit of God, he takes away the veil. And he takes away the veil with a purpose, not so you can just be better educated. But he takes away the veil so that transformation can take place. He said, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is Lord, there's liberty. See, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And if we say Jesus is Lord, then we are saying, when the Spirit of God came to live on the inside of me, he is Lord. What does that mean? Lord doesn't mean Savior. Lord means preeminent. Lord means he's the one that guides and directs. Lord means he's the master. And where the spirit of the Lord is allowed to be master, there's actually true freedom. There's actually true freedom. What do we need freedom for? We need freedom for transformation. That's what he just says. 
He said, when you begin to look into this perfect law of liberty, when you begin to look into the law of love that is written right here, all of a sudden transformation begins to take place. When you start to understand by the Spirit of God, the love of God and how much Jesus loved you, not superficially, I know Jesus loves me, but the impact of his love for you. And you begin to be changed and have that same love and recognize that the Holy Spirit of God, this close person of the Godhead to us, when he moved on the inside of you, he came and brought the love of God and shed it abroad in our heart. The Holy Spirit did that so we could understand this great love that we read about, that we see, and not only understand it, but create a whole expectation of our life that is better than we ever dreamed possible. Romans 5 says it was shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Right prior to that, he said we're going to go through trouble. Trouble is going to produce character. Character is going to create hope or expectation. And the expectations that we have of God do not make us ashamed. We do not draw back into partition. We move in with a confidence and an expectation. Why? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit of God. He wants to change the very core of who we've been and who we are from a selfish, self-preserving nature to the very nature and life of God that gives of itself that others might know him. People are distressed in the time that we live in. They're confused. Every single day goes. Everybody has an opinion. But it's the opinion that's coming from the inside, the truth that's coming from the inside that counts the most. So where the Spirit is, Lord, there's liberty. We all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want to ask you to raise your hand. I just want you to think about this. How much transformation has been taking place in our lives lately? How much transformation... When you look into the Word of God, how much change have you been seeing? When you read the Word in your devotion time and then you go throughout the day, has the time in devotion changed how you respond to the political things that come, the coronavirus things that come? Has it done any changing in you about confidence? Has it done any changing in you about how we're going to conduct our life, how we're going to minister to others? Is there any change taking place, transformation in our lives? Because if not, we've just become religious. We've become a dead church. Where the Holy Spirit is, there's liberty and there's change. As we look into it, the Holy Spirit's working to take us from one degree of glory to the next so that by this time next year, we're not sitting here wondering what in the world's going on, but we're changing our thoughts. We're changing the vision that we have. We're changing the confidence that we have in our hearts. We have a greater degree of faith. We're more planted no matter what comes. If we say the Spirit is Lord and there's no liberty and there's no transformation taking place, we're not allowing him to draw in close and to do the work that he wants to do. But man, he wants to do a work. Not because we're so bad, but because he has such grand plans. And he doesn't want us to fall short of any 
good thing. The Bible keeps telling us that God's desire is that we lack no good thing. And we look and say, I'm lacking. But if we look in and say, no, I'm not cha- I haven't changed for years. I got to be a Christian. That's just the way it is. Then he says, listen, I don't want you to lack. I don't want you to suffer lack. I want you to be changed. I want you to experience good things. But it takes knowing the word of God and allowing the spirit, the one who talks to us and tells us the things that Jesus could not. We'll get into that in just a moment. That puzzled you all. I could hear it. But we got it. So how does this happen? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 14. Paul ends his letter with an incredibly important statement. It's his last letter to the Corinthian church. You know he's written so much to the Corinthians. And he ends with this. He says, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. We've talked a lot about grace in the last 15 or 20 years. Grace, grace, a lot of grace. We talk about the love of God, but that communion with the Holy Spirit throughout the church has kind of been left out. What is that communion? It's that word koinonia, Greek. In the koinonia, it means social intercourse. It means intimacy. It means partnership. It means shared responsibility. It means just working together in such a dynamic way of intimacy that brings us over the top. So Rick Renner in his book, The Dynamic Duel, he, he locks it down into three aspects of that word koinonia, intimacy, partnership, and responsibility. Intimacy, that closeness, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Partnership, the Holy Spirit wants to partner with us. He wants to partner with us. He wants to partner with us in life. He wants to partner with us in the call of God. He wants to lead us, guide us, and direct us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to work together with us. That's what his name, paraclete, means, to take a hold together with. It's one a call alongside to help or to take a hold together with against. He doesn't want you to take a hold of the enemy's attack all by yourself. He knows you'll be defeated. He doesn't want you to step back and say, oh, you do it, Holy Spirit. He came to live in us and said, let's do this together. Let's be partners in this. And he said there's shared responsibility. We've missed that as the church. As we work with the Holy Spirit, I am responsible for my part. He's responsible for his part. I'm responsible to preach the word. He's responsible to confirm it with signs following. I'm responsible to obey. He's responsible to bring the results. There's a shared responsibility. And if we say it's all him, he does whatever he wants. He says, I can't do whatever I want. Without you, we're partners. It's time to partner with the Holy Spirit more than ever before. It's not a time to rush out ahead of him and say, come on, Holy Spirit, do what I'm, get involved in what I'm getting involved in. The partnership really acknowledges and knows that he is the person of the Godhead. He is the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. We shouldn't be leading him around and saying, come on, help me with this. Come on, do what I want to do. We should be saying, okay, listen, you got a bigger and you got a better plan. You got God's plan, and here's where I know the partnership comes. I'm going to get in on it with you, 
And we need to be partners because I'm going to need help doing God's will for my life. I'm going to need help doing this. And so Jesus said this in John, the 14th chapter, the 15th verse. Again, most of this you already know. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. How many of you love Jesus? Right? And when he's talking about this, half of you love Jesus. How many of you all love Jesus? Amen. I know some of you are writing. I don't mean to pester you. I'm supposed to be pastoring and not pestering. But he, said, he's, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He's not saying, you know what, it's about love, but let's get over to works. He's saying, you're not going to prove your love for me by obedience. He said, if you love me, you're going to trust me, and you're going to begin to do life my way. If you really have embraced my love for you, I've given you a pattern of life that is a much higher life. And if you love me, you're going to join yourself to me and begin to live life my way. Now listen, Jesus already knew that if we're going to love him and live life his way, we cannot do it in our flesh and do it by ourselves. So he finishes the statement and he says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Another helper. That word another in the Greek, there's just two kinds of another. Another of a different kind and another of the same kind. What was Jesus saying? I'm going to leave and I'm going to give you another one of the exact same kind. The Holy Spirit. He's the same one that was with me. He's the one that you saw descend upon me when I came up out of the Jordan River. He's the one. And I'm going to send him and he's going to descend upon you. And the same way that he treated me is the same exact way he's going to treat you. If you'll yield to him like I yielded to him, you'll have the same results that I had in yielding to him. We thought, what do I need with the Holy Spirit except for to guarantee my life to heaven? No, we need that Holy Spirit just as Jesus did. He was empowered to minister. He knew what was going on in situations that otherwise he wouldn't have known except for the Holy Spirit was revealing it to him through the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. He's the spirit of truth. Listen to this. Whom the world cannot receive. He's unique to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't think like the world and understand the spirit of God. We can't say, I'm just going to follow the world and think like the world and then understand what the spirit of God is doing. The world cannot receive him and they do not know him. But Jesus said that we would know him intimately and personally because he would not just be with us. See, Jesus was just with them. Jesus walked with them. They had a flesh-to-flesh relationship. But he said, he'll be just like me, but he won't just be with you. He'll be in you. A new dynamic of intimacy. There's an intimacy that we can walk together side by side. There's a friendship in that way. But there's a whole different intimacy when he's in you. There's nothing closer than that. There's no walk closer. Sometimes we think, you know what, if Jesus was just here, instead of Pastor Mark, if Jesus was just here. Listen, the spirit of Jesus is in you. He's here. He's in you. He's amongst us corporately as we come. 
Jesus even said, as we'll look at in a moment, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go away, I won't send the Holy Spirit. And I'll just be with you, but if I go away, he's going to be in you. And the things that the world cannot understand, we will begin to understand. There's things going on right now. There's things being spoken out that your mind is like going. There's a propagation of the spirit of Antichrist, things contrary to who Christ is and what he's doing. And you're listening to it. And if you get it all, you need to watch out because it's all of the world. But there's something in your mind that goes, uh, but when you stop on the inside, you realize, wait a minute, this is absolutely not right. I'm talking about the spiritual undertones of things. I'm not talking about whether or not we have to do this, wear a mask or not wear a mask, whether we can go here or not go here. Sometimes in the spirit, that becomes irrelevant, and we'll look at this later. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says, don't go here. Just go ahead and do this. It's really more about what we know on the inside and who we're listening to to tell us these things. He wants this close, intimate relationship. Very quickly, there's three levels of relationship. If you read John Bevere's book, he talks about these three levels. I'll talk about them in just a little bit different light. There's relationship in the flesh. Most husbands and wives, you got started this way. Men, you saw her and said, Woo-wee, I like her flesh. I like the way she looks. I like the way she moves. Many of you women like the way he looked, right? We, we join ourselves in the flesh. Now, if we're Christians, we want some spiritual note to that. Well, they're Christians. They look good and they're Christians. Bonus. I mean, that's the fear of every Christian young man is that she's a Christian and has a good personality. What do I do with that? Can't she be good looking too? Yes. And in fact, if you knew the spirit of life in her, it changes the whole way you look at things. Right? But we get married, my flesh likes your flesh. But just a little while, then all of a sudden we, we go to the next level or try to go to the next level of a relationship, and that's soulish. That's where, men, she wants to sit down and talk to you. She wants to share her heart with you. And you're like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't count on this level of a relationship. No matter how long you're married, you're still working on that one. But see, many marriages break up because they're just physical relationships, flesh, or they're soulish, and all of a sudden somebody finds somebody that will soulishly connect them, and they create a soul tie, and it disrupts the marriage covenant because they're there. And Jesus said, I really don't want you to have a fleshly relationship with me. He brings it out uh, there in the scripture, Matthew chapter 6, that Zane read. He said, listen, the flesh relationship is always concentrating on the flesh. What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What are you going to put on? It's consumed with it. That's why he said the world is always consumed with it because it's carnal. It's all the things pertaining to the flesh. But he says, I want to go deeper with you. If you'll go ahead and focus on the right relationship, the kingdom of God, and the right relationship that I've developed through Jesus Christ, the natural things will take care of themselves. Don't settle for a low form of fleshly relationship that is just temporal. What you can eat, what you can eat, drink, what you can put on, what takes care of the flesh. Why? Because the clothes you have today, you won't like tomorrow. The car you just bought today, you won't like next year. 
The house you bought this year, you wish you had the one like the neighbors next year. A flesh relationship is ever-changing. Why? Because it's all based on temporal things. It's all based on temporal things. Second level of relationship is soul. It's soulish. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. And there's a depth of relationship where we share our, our, our thoughts, we share our emotions, we share our wants, our desires. But the thing about a soulish relationship is it still comes down to what I want to share with you. How much do we want to get to know the soul of someone else? We live in a generation right now, and I've been praying about this, so you all can get mad. I'm praying, asking God about it. But we have a, right now, there is an insatiable desire in this generation, young and old, to be heard. To be heard. We want to connect at a level of soul. I want to be heard. But listen to me. Faith comes by hearing, not by being heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how many of us want to hear? No, I want to be heard. I'm tired of hearing. I want to be heard. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And something about being heard is I want to share my heart with you. And then I want to share my heart with you. And what comes out of a soulish relationship? Comparison. When it's just based on soul, we start saying, I did better than you. We start a one-upsmanship. We start comparing ourselves by ourselves with this incredibly unwise. We begin to rely, rely on just our feelings and our emotions. And God said, listen, there's a detriment to this relationship. I want to go deeper. When he picked the first king of Israel, he picked a man that looked like a king. He picked a tall man of stature that the people of Israel would follow. He picked Saul. Saul was a kingly looking guy, but king Saul was insecure. King Saul tried to go with God on an emotional relationship level. And when he anointed him as king, God began to direct his life and wanted to do it through his heart. And he showed him right off the bat. When he came down off the mountain, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. The anointing came upon him and he turned into a different man and he began to prophesy. But instead of engaging at that level of the spirit of God coming upon him, he went back and he was one of the most tormented kings. He was tormented all the time because he was trying to be led emotionally. So the moment David rose up, he was insecure. Demons tormented him. The musician had to play for the anointing to go from him. He was always listening to the people. What does emotional relationship cause you to do? Always blame someone else. It started in the beginning. It's always someone else's fault for how I am. I just feel like it couldn't have been my fault. That's what Saul continually did when God confronted him. It's not my fault. The people wanted the goods. The people wanted that. It's, it's somebody else's fault. We don't want to live so simply on a soulish relationship. The soul comes into play, but when we're connected by the Spirit of God, there's something deeper that conducts and, and directs the moment we want to compare. The Spirit of God said, don't compare. What you know about them links with what you know about you. And as the body we link together, we don't compare ourselves. We fit it together to become stronger, not weaker. It creates unity when it's from the Spirit. It doesn't eliminate the soul. It enhances the soul for what it was created for. And the last level of relationship is a spiritual relationship. It's what God wants all along, spirit to spirit. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2. I like this particular chapter a lot. It starts off, Paul says, you know, I, I don't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in power and demonstration of the Spirit. I always relate to that to some level. I, I really don't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. We're just trying to get this out. What the Spirit of God has for us. But he goes on to say, no one knows the things of a man save the Spirit of God that is within him. First, he starts off quoting an Old Testament scripture to bring us in line. He said, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him. We could stop right there. See, I can't know. I won't know. But he said, listen, but God, God has given us the Spirit of God. And he goes on to say this. He's talking about intimacy at the highest level. He's talking about spiritual intimacy at the highest level right here. He said, where there was no intimacy with the Spirit of God in the Old Covenant, I have created the most sincere, closest intimacy that you can imagine. And that's why many Christians stay away from this because it's so deep. And they don't want to investigate the depth. They got to get past the, the crust. They got to get past the hard heart. They got to get past the hurts and the wounds. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to get you past that, he will discover and cause discovery to take place in your life and my life of things that you could only have dreamed about. And most of the time, it's bigger than what you ever thought, what you ever dreamed, what you ever have asked for. It's greater. That's why Paul says to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge so that God is able. God himself is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you ever hoped, dreamed, asked, or thought. God wants to go above what you're dreaming. He, he doesn't care if you're dreaming for a million-dollar house. He says, I got something better than a million-dollar house. You don't think it's there because you don't understand that his word is more precious than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Why? Because his word can lead you into everything that you have need of. Gold will perish, but the word of God will remain forever and ever and ever. True prosperity is of the heart and of the soul. It's not of the pocketbook. He said, for what things, the things of, what man knows the things of a man except the spirit that is in the man. See, if we're not growing spiritually mature, if we're not developing our spirit man, we haven't even yet began to comprehend what our spirit is capable of. The more we rely upon our soul and our flesh, we're so limited based on the feeling of the day or the intellect of the day. But once we build our spirit, there are possibilities that emerge that we never thought of, that only the Spirit of God had planned from the beginning to raise us above. To look at the scripture and say, man, that guy really looked old. How did he get that done? I'm ready to retire. God said, why are you getting ready to retire? I'm just getting started with you. That's why he wants us to be like David. Most of us wait to get something done for God until we retire. God says, well, well, let's just get started then. He'd like to get started with us a little bit earlier. All right, I'm stalled out here. What things knows the man save the spirit that is within the man? Likewise, everybody say likewise. No one knows the things of God save the Spirit of God. Since we've not received the Spirit of the world, the Spirit of God wants to show us the things of God. Yes, the deep things of God. Not the ooh, spooky deep. 
Listen, if God could just get us to love like he loved, it would be pretty deep. Right? So what's he saying? He's saying the ultimate of intimacy is the entity, the person that knows the very deepest things of God. God has put in contact with the part of you that only knows what you were created for. What did he do? He put an intimate connection of the created and the creator. That he might show us, the Holy Spirit might show us the things that have been freely given to us by God. He'll eliminate works right off the bat. What are you working for that for? It's freely given to you by God. You work from that, you don't work for that. He wants to start breaking those works bonds and say, I got to work for this or else God's not going to do that. He said, listen, I already did that. What do you mean if you don't work, I won't do that? I already did that. You're working from that to something greater, not to that. I already went to the cross for that. We're living from the cross for something far greater than what you're spinning your wheels doing. And the only one that can reveal that to us is the Holy Spirit in our spirit. Yet we cease to give him attention based on the mood of the day and the situation of life and the other personalities that surround us. But he said, I want you to know my personality above all things. A spirit-to-spirit relationship with God. I believe that was lined out. And there will be some disagreement about this, and that's okay with me. All right? So we'll just get that right off the top. But listen to this, 1 Samuel, because of the wordage, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down for you in just a moment, all right? All right, y'all awake? Hello, acknowledge, acknowledge. First Samuel chapter 18, listen to this. David's killed Goliath, stuff's going on. It says, now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Say, wait a minute, Pastor, you just told us that was the second highest relationship. But as I begin to look at this, and I believe you can discount it, but here's... The Hebrew word nephesh, nephesh. It says it's a feminine noun meaning breathe. When man came alive, God breathed his life in him and he became a living soul or living spirit. Meaning breathe, it means the inner being with its thoughts and its emotion. So we'll see there's the soul. No, the inner being. The inner being. The heart is a combination of the soul and the spirit. But I believe that Jonathan and David were connected in a spiritual relationship. You say, why do you say that? Because listen, if you're not knit in a spiritual relationship of covenant, do you not realize that David was coming in to take over what was rightfully Jonathan's? Jonathan was to be the next king Yet he knew David had been anointed to be king. When you're on a soulish level, that creates all kinds of trouble. But when you're on a spiritual level and you know what the Spirit of God is doing, you link together in such a manner 
and such a depth that they would protect one another so that the plan of God could be wrought in the earth. Jonathan protected David because they were so knit together and he knew the plan that God had for him that even when his own father was out to kill him, he wasn't emotional about that. He said, I will tell you what, what he said, I don't even believe my father's going to kill you, but if it's so, I will let you know so you can flee for what purpose to protect the plan of God that existed. Their soul was so knit together that they made a covenant with one another. You don't make a covenant based on feelings because they're temporal. They'll leave today. A covenant, a true covenant, how they understood it, was punishable by death. Had David or Jonathan broken the covenant that they made with one another, it was punishable by death. And it was such a strong spiritual union that even after Jonathan and Saul had died, David said, we must find someone in Saul's household for me to do good to. Because that's what covenant does. It moves through. We talk about these spiritual relationships. We're talking about what the Spirit of God wants to have with us. is a covenant relationship, spirit to spirit. Not a competitive relationship. Not one that says, you know what, Spirit of God, help me look like something that I'm not. But Spirit of God, I want to show, I want to go with you. And I want people to see you for who you are and what you've done for me. Who told you? I just want us to be challenged this week. Who told you? When you do something, just look on the inside. Who told me to do that? And don't make it up. Don't go tell somebody, I did that thing. God told me to do that. When he didn't tell you to do that. When you respond or react, who told you to do that? I've been studying all this and Tasha and I had an argument just the other day. I've been working on something. She said something, and it bothered me. So I decided we would need to address that. After we addressed it, I began to get quiet, and this thing came right up on the inside of me. Who told you to talk to her about that? I said, well, somebody needed to talk to her about that. (laughs) Somebody needed to. I figure I'm the best person. And you know, the moment you do that, you just know if it's on the spirit, man, you're like, I know where we're going with this. I know where we're going with this. If I didn't tell you, I was either planning on someone else telling her, or maybe I could just tell her myself. Why don't you trust me? If we decide to go with him and ask ourselves, who told me? And it's not him. We'll start to find out. I need to fine-tune this. I'm just running out of time. I'm just really just getting started. So we'll have to pick up next week. And I know I'm rambling just a little bit, but all I want to do right now as your pastor is hopefully stir you, inspire you, not bore you like we know this Holy Spirit stuff. I don't believe we know it yet or we'd be seeing some things that are extraordinary. And I'm not talking about just people falling all over the place. I'm talking about extraordinary things in our life, in our family, where it all starts. In our minds and in our hearts. In the development of our spirit. And from that, it's going to be amazing what God does in the community, in the cities, in the regions of our church. But he needs the church to be strong spiritually. 
to know the Spirit of God as our best friend. That when He speaks, we listen. When He guides, we follow. When He teaches, we learn. He wants to take us higher than we've ever been. He wants to take us deeper than we've ever been. Well, I've been deep with God. You haven't been deep if you haven't seen the possibilities that go far beyond what you've seen up to date. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about woo-woo, float around. I'm talking about something that's so solid, so deep, that has so much sustenance and so much punch to it, so much boldness, not with frills, just a boldness, such a, 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 when you run into somebody and you think, you know what, I can't say that to them, but you know you have to, not because you have to, because you're, you, you do those kind of things, but there's such a compassion, there's such an unction, unction of the Holy Spirit of God, because we've been listening, we've been letting him lead and guide us in the small things, that now it's time to speak a word in season that will change somebody's life forever and ever and ever. And you may do that, and I may do that on a level, but I'm just telling you, the Spirit of God is speaking to me. And if it's just for me, thank you for listening. It's helping me to get it out. That he's saying you'll never transform somebody else's life by the Spirit of God if you'll not allow the Spirit of God to transform your life. I want to have a word for somebody. All the while, he's already got a word for you that you're not listening to. A word for you to forgive, a word for you to read, a word for you to study, a word for you to rejoice, a word for you to, to, to act in wisdom, a word for you to walk in love and not selfishness. And you're like, I'll do that later, I'll do that later. But God, let's have some sign wonders and miracles. I want a word of prophecy. He's like, listen, how can you have a word of prophecy when there's one residing in your heart that you'll not give place to? And if you'll not give place to that word that I put in your heart, why would the person that you're talking to give place to that word? He's called us to be a light and an example. So we want, we should want people to know the life of the Spirit. The joy and the peace and the love and the goodness. So if we want people to know it, we want to bring it to them. How are we going to do that? Koinonia with the Holy Spirit. So I just ask us this week, to open our ears to hear what's the Spirit of God saying. Open my eyes to see. Say, what if I go through all week and I don't hear anything and I don't see anything? Don't sweat it. But if we start asking and we start doing stuff, we start saying, who told me to do that? And we're honest. Like, I just decided to do that. Is there anything wrong with me just deciding to do that? No. But the moment we get honest and say, I just decided to do that. I wanted to do that. Somebody else told me. All of a sudden, it ends in trouble. Who told you to do that? Well, everybody else told me. It's their fault. And we go back to saying, okay, I got that. I wanted to do it. Somebody else told me. Holy Spirit, what were you saying? What were you saying? We'll go over this next week. There's some things that we can be doing that he'll just start being quiet in your life. We can treat the Holy Spirit in such a way that he will just start being quiet. Say, listen, I'm asking. The Holy Spirit's not speaking to me. There may be some things that we're doing that are grieving the Holy Spirit, and so he's not speaking. But I'll tell you, once we just get that straight and stop grieving, whew, he'll say, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. Why don't you stand up?
Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify and we glorify you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now in this place, those who are watching, you deal with every heart, you deal with every life. Those in this room, those watching, those in Meeker, set within us a great desire to be more intimate with you, Holy Spirit, that you might be the Lord of our life. You might lead us and guide us and direct us and help us and strengthen us and impart to us and develop in us all that you want to do. There's so much that you want to do to bring us to our highest and our best that we were created for. Right now, if there's any out there watching and in this room that don't know you, Holy Spirit, it begins with a new birth, acknowledging Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're watching or you're in this room, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, let's all pray this together. Say, Father God, I come to you this morning ready to lay down my way of doing things and fall deeply in love with you. Start doing things the way that you do things. And so right now, I confess you as Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Wash me clean. Put your spirit in me. Give me newness of life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for coming into my heart, being the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, let somebody know that. If you're in the room, you prayed that prayer for the first time, uh, uh, there'll be an altar worker. They don't know it, but they just found out. There'll be an altar worker right up here to just give you a packet. Uh, we'll have to get a six-foot stick, I guess. No. Uh, give you a packet just to let you know about that prayer and moving on in relationship with God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus, far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed.